Hello, this is episode number 37 of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingbert, and I'm your host. How to Hold a Pencil is a show about learning and how mostly self-taught developers and designers got where they are today. I want to thank everyone who has sent me an email about themselves and their code journey. It's so great to hear from people from all over the world. This week, I even got an email from Australia. If you have a minute, please rate and review the show in iTunes. I can't tell you how helpful these are. This week, I spoke to Chris Oliver, the lead developer at One Month, GoRails, and the co-founder of LaunchCode. He's a full-time Ruby on Rails web developer. We talked about so much, so let's jump right in. Here now is my interview with Chris. Uh, welcome, Chris. I'm so glad that you're on the show. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so for the people who don't know who, don't know who you are... Uh, why don't you tell the listeners at home a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I'm uh, from St. Louis. I'm a Ruby on Rails developer, uh, self-taught. I run a site called GoRails, where I put out screencasts every week about different Ruby on Rails topics. And uh, I work at one month as their lead developer. Very cool. So what I like to ask a lot of my guests this question. What's your first memory of the web? Of the web, um, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's probably around the time when I was like in high school or just before high school, um, like diving into video games and and things related to that. I re- like video games are definitely the uh, jumping off point for me getting into computers. Um, I can't really remember exactly what it was, but I definitely spent a lot of time looking up strategies and cheats and stuff like that. How did you go from gaming and looking up gaming websites to go from there to starting development on the web? So I actually started doing development, um, not on the web first. And my dad was cleaning off a bookshelf, like in, I think I was in about seventh grade cleaning off a bookshelf and found a programming book that he had from when he was younger uh, to program his Atari. And he gave me that book and I, you know, didn't know if I could do anything with it. It seemed really interesting. And I ended up finding out that we had this really old DOS computer in the basement that uh, ran software that was similar enough that I could program it using that book. Uh, even though it wasn't an, an Atari as well. So I I did that and started learning programming, and I was teaching myself through that book, and it basically only taught me how to make calculators. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't really do much more than that, nothing graphical, and I, I didn't understand how you would draw stuff on the screen. So a lot of that evolved into, like, okay, maybe maybe I can figure out a way to grab games or something else that um, other people had written and then take them apart and change the colors and change the, the like, characters or something like that. And um, that's where a lot of my, my experience came from um, really early on. So it was a lot of downloading games and then pulling them out and uh, taking them apart and, you know hacking my way into the number one on the leaderboard or something like that. Got it. And yeah. So where did you, when, when and how did you sort of make the jump from that type of stuff to doing what you do now in Ruby on Rails? Um, that was a, it was a very long process actually. I, I was building games and I didn't really know how to do much. And then I went to, to high school 
got a graphing calculator. Is definitely interested in like, all right, now I've got this. This is going to be really helpful to make my homework take very little time. (laughs) And so I I started like figuring out how to uh, essentially like cheat on my homework by doing that where I would like I'd have a problem to solve. And they would give me the same type of problem. So I'd write a program where you plug in the numbers and it would show all the work and I would be able to to go do that really quickly. And as I started doing that, I got more into using Linux and other things uh, on my computer. And so Linux was really the thing where I got involved on on the web a lot more. I was trying to install it on my laptop and it wouldn't, not everything worked back then. so uh, i started to make like tutorials for people to explain like how to how to make the uh, remote control work and other things on our laptops like the wi-fi card and as that got going i started building stuff in python so that i could run it on my parents computer on windows and on the linux machine and I built some software that uh, could download software for my laptop, which didn't have internet all the time. So I ended up building this thing that is called Carex. And I, I basically was like, I need to download software for my computer that doesn't have internet. And the school's internet, when I'm in class, is really fast. So I'd love if I could just download this stuff onto a flash drive, take it home, and install it. And that's where that's where I really got involved in in a lot of the stuff that I do now. Um, it was it was really solving a problem that was important to me at the time. And it turned out when I open sourced it, there was like way more people than I imagined that also shared the same problem and needed something easy to use like that. So. Before I knew it, someone from South Africa was using it to set up uh, a school that didn't have consistent internet. Somebody was using it in the government for a really secure uh, like server of some sort, and I don't really know anything about it other <laughs> than that. That's so cool. It's really neat. Yeah. So how did you sort of build your confidence to build this item and sort of keep pushing forward. Like we both know that learning development is hard and learning how to do things on the web or in software in code is difficult. How did you build your confidence along the way? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I sort of lucked out in that I didn't know much about what I was doing and I had (laughs) no one to guide me. So I almost didn't need the confidence to go do what I was doing because I was just too naive to know that they were hard. Like all of the stuff that I was tackling was was super hard and took me so long. And I was teaching myself with no guidance, so it took me way longer than anyone else at this point. Like if you get online, you can chat with someone on Twitter and they'll give you answers, but I didn't really have internet, so I just kind of struggled with things for a very long time and didn't know any better. So I was kind of lucky at that point, um, in a way. Like, it took longer, but I was able to just go build stuff and solve problems and learn it learn it the hard way. And now um, now it's like, now that I know more of, of this and it's like uh, learning a new technology like Node.js or whatever and the intricacies of it, is is like a hard task to do. Like I know how much time it will take me 
of committing full time to like learning some new technology, then it, it is harder now because I do have to figure out like, okay, um, how am I going to fit this into my schedule or whatever? Yeah. So, yeah. so that, um, that kind of brings me to my next question. And it's really interesting because today finding answers to your questions, you know, when you're learning these new skills, it's fairly easy. I mean, a quick Google mm-hmm. search, you know, turns up a lot of answers. Um, so the motivation factor is 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 easier to figure out. But what kept you motivated to learn these new tools, and what keeps you motivated today to like pick up, let's say, Node.js or whatever it might be? You know, um, one thing that I learned quickly with building stuff and sharing it with other people is like. Uh, I think the the best motivation that I have is to build stuff, not really for myself. Like, I'll solve my own problem, or I know that it's a problem that I have. But as long as other people are interested in using my software, then that is that is kind of like what it what tells me like, okay, that's worth worth doing. So, you know, if I'm I'm learning something like Node.js, well. If we're trying to solve a problem that needs real-time um, functionality in it, then I can I can rationalize that a lot better than just learning it for the sake of learning it. I have to have a purpose almost always; otherwise, I will I will definitely slack off, and uh, that's usually a sign that I don't really have a goal in mind that's as clear as I need it to be. Got it. So when you set out learning a new tool, whether it was when you were learning Ruby on Rails or when you were if you're learning Node.js. What type of tools do you use to teach yourself these things? Uh, a lot of times, so at the beginning, I used a lot of books um, that were that talked a lot about um, you know design practices and explained things deeply. And over time, um, as I learned it a little bit more deeply, I, I got into just purely looking at reference guides and uh, and sort of like tutorials, like Railscast was an immense help for me um, when I was starting. Like I, I pretty much owe everything to Ryan Bates from from the beginnings of my Rails <laughs> development. He was he just covered like every single topic that I was like thinking about working on a week ahead. So every time that a new episode would come out, I was like, oh, I'm just about to start that. This is perfect. So that's awesome. I, I think uh, the videos have evolved now into. A, you know, t- covering so many topics and all of the little intricacies that they used to not. And there used to not be, you know, half as many videos uh, as five years ago about programming topics. So now you have a library of things that's just immensely helpful and Stack Overflow as well. So so as you were learning new things, I mean, I think like anybody, I think anybody, um, sorry, as you were learning these new things, how did you sort of overcome any roadblocks that you hit? Like what types of roadblocks did you hit and how did you, you know, get over those? Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest roadblock is kind of when you hit something and you, you don't know how to even begin. That's, that seems to be the hardest one. Like you want to learn node, but you don't know even what to do with it or, or where to start. And, um, you know things like things like building a clone of a another website like cloning twitter or cloning facebook um or anything else that's like a real time application 
for node for the node example is perfect. Like you can learn by just copying what other people have done, and that allows you to get in their heads a little bit and understand the problems they were um, they were facing when they were trying to build it. And I was like, uh, that was my favorite way to learn. So I like cloned to do list. I built my own little calendar application and uh my own little reddit and and i actually like built them but i didn't build them just to throw them away i built them and started to use them every day uh in my own like process and um i think that was what gave me the appreciation for a lot deeper learning of it like i can learn how to upload files but if i don't learn how to efficiently upload files then it's going to cost me money or if uploading files is a pain in the butt then I'm not going to upload files and I won't use my own software. So then I'd learn sort of the the user experience aspect of it by not only copying someone else's idea, but doing it in a way that forced me to to use it and actually make it very user-friendly. So in a blog post, you talked about a question that you often receive after people complete things. Uh, and the question that you, that you put, that you posed to your own, to yourself is I finished this programming book and I still don't feel like a real programmer. What do I do next? And I was wondering if you, you know, I think a lot of people who listen to the show would be intrigued by your answer to this. So could you sort of provide that answer, uh, to people here? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the, when you consider yourself a real programmer or not, a lot of it has to do with when we're learning these things, we build something and then we we don't really deploy it and use it and get our friends to use it. And um, I build stuff and then try to use it over, you know, one, one good example that I had in the blog post is uh, building like a URL shortener. I make it for myself and then try and use it all the time. And then I realized like the, I realized over time that building those things and then actually maintaining them, um, for the next year or two years or however long that I, I continued working on it. That seems to be the thing that really made me feel like I was an actual programmer at that point. A lot of the, the learning phase of programming is building and throwing away, but being a paid professional developer is building things and then maintaining them for the next like five years or more. So you're building things that, uh, that actually have bugs in it and you need to go fix those, not just bugs when you're learning and deploying the app, you've got to maintain things. And, uh, and also another aspect of it is like just taking apart things, um, like if you want to really learn how Ruby on Rails works, like build your own. Well, you can build that very you can build a simple version of Ruby on Rails in a couple days. You can figure out and build routing by itself and figure out how URLs work and you can um you can build the controllers and models separately and then you can put them all together and really get uh a one like a 360 view of the the sort of problems that Designing and building Rails, um, the, the the those problems are very um, they're very hard to come across when you're when you're learning because they're they're a lot deeper problems. <clears throat> Got it. So I'm wondering, you know, you you've talked a couple of times about uh, projects and using projects to help yourself learn. 
how over time have you sort of come up with project ideas and how do you recommend people coming up with project ideas? It's a great question. Um, a lot of times it was just building stuff that I was like, Hey, I don't know how this works. Um, one example that I really enjoyed was, was the first time that I wanted to learn how sockets worked. I decided to make my own IRC client and I've, I used IRC and, and knew how chat worked from a user's perspective, but there was the concept of servers and these messages that go across. And my projects usually come from things like that where, where I want to take it apart or I'd like to have some software for some purpose, like saving links, like a Reddit kind of thing. And uh, I'll just build it myself rather than searching for a tool to do it. Uh, and and usually that that's the the purpose of it is purely for learning as opposed to building something that I, I want millions of people to use. So in another blog post, you talked about when it comes to learning to program um, that a person needs to practice like an athlete. I was wondering, what do you mean by that? And more importantly, how does somebody practice like an athlete when it comes to programming? Yeah. So when I wrote that, I had realized at the time that a lot of my habits of, of learning programming came from coming home after school and just spending hours and hours like either answering people's questions or fiddling with um, little projects or ideas that I had. And those were were not, not necessarily like fun, but I just put in the hours and the effort into um, into learning it. So you can compare that to any sort of athletic thing. Like if you're playing basketball, practicing uh, your free throws. And if you're training for a bodybuilding competition, like you just have to put the hours in at the gym. And it's the same kind of thing with programming. Like you can't, a lot of boot camps love to tell you that you'll learn how to be a professional developer in three months. And you can learn a good amount in three months, but the, the like whole programming career is a, a thing that you can train for your entire life. There's so many things that you have to practice and just do repeatedly until you're really fast at them. And sometimes the more you repeat something, the more you'll actually understand it more deeply. You'll try doing the same thing four times and then you realize, oh, this one thing that I took for granted is actually really, really important. Uh, same thing goes for shooting free throws. Like if you twist your hand while you're shooting or something like that, you will notice that you can consistently make better uh, free throws if you adjust the way that you uh, shoot every time. So the same thing goes for learning any skill, really, is to put in the time. Got it. So the next set of questions I'm going to ask you are questions that I really ask a lot of people um, when they come on the show. Um, so what is your favorite project that you've worked on in the past several years that you've been working on the web? Um, that's a great question. I've One of my bigger projects that uh, didn't actually take off but uh, was really fun to work on was a thing called Giver. And it was for a startup here in St. Louis. And the the project involved a whole slew of things. So we had a website that would watch um, Twitter's live stream for any tweets 
targeted to uh, charities. And if you had the hashtag of give a dollar amount in there and a name of a charity, we would catch it in real time and process your credit card and make a donation for you. So there's a lot uh, involved with that. So we got to got to build the front end to grab people's credit cards and register them and allow charities to sign up. But then on the other hand, uh, we had a server that's listening to the Twitter firehose and trying to process tweets as fast as possible and then determine, you know, is this tweet, um, is it accurate? Like if you put $2 amounts in a tweet, then how do we know which one to charge your credit card and things like that? So got to do a lot of very creative things on that, even though the the project didn't quite pan out as a company. That's, I mean, that sounds like a massive undertaking. Um, just coming, like, I can only imagine how much how much processing and how much work that must have taken. Um, and it's yeah. a great idea. Um, so for someone fresh to the web, you know, they're like deciding that they hate what they're doing and they want to jump into something new. Uh, where do you think people should get their start? Um, this is uh, semi-biased, but <laughs> I, I really think that uh, what we're doing at one month is an awesome start. So our courses are like an intro to how to build your own Pinterest, and we walk you through every step of that. But there's there's countless other tutorials that show you how to clone some site that you use probably every day. So uh, the Rails tutorial from Michael Hartle teaches you how to do um, Twitter, and it's awesome. The, cloning something that you use every day is such an eye-opener because all of a sudden you realize like man twitter i i like to joke about twitter being down all the time back when they did but <laughs> then you start to realize like holy cow i can't imagine making twitter by myself like there's so much to it even though the functionality on the site seems relatively small so uh that is definitely my uh, advice to getting started is like pick pick a project you really like uh, or a site you really like and figure out how to make it yourself. So it's interesting to me, and I I do like one month's model because I actually took Matan's original like Skillshare course when he oh, first awesome. started doing it years ago, or probably like two years ago now. And uh, my question is is how do you go? And this is something that when I was when I was starting out, um, how do you go from that one course you know and that you know how do you go from there to like what's the next step mm -hmm. um you know that is a very good question and one we're trying to solve as well so uh for me the the rails casts were the next piece so a lot of times what our students do is take the project that you built so in our case it's pinterest and uh the next step is to add something that you want to add to it and deviate a little bit from it. So maybe you want to add payments to it or you want to add um, email notifications or Facebook login or something like that. And that's kind of where you uh, deviate from the path and take your own uh, approach to learning. So you can um, you can follow everyone and follow the, their tutorials, but then you can choose in certain places to deliberately take the hard road and do something that um, they're not going to teach you. And then that's like 
a way for you to step out of the boundaries a little bit, be a little bit uncomfortable, but actually, you know, learn, um, learn a lot deeper that way. Okay. What advice would you give to someone who is just starting out today? Who is, you know, they're, you know, they're signing up for one month or they're doing a CSS tricks tutorial or whatever it might be. Um, what, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I think going back to sort of the repetition, um, it's like this is the thing that you want. If you're learning programming, you want this to be a part of you. It's like uh, it's like starting a diet or going to the gym. Like you're not going just to lose weight or whatever. You're you're going because you want to make it a habit that sticks and becomes a part of you. So you have to treat it like that. So even if you're slow, you want to be. Uh, you want to be okay with that. You want to be fine with progress being slow. So long as it becomes a habit and something you enjoy, if you don't enjoy it, then you're, you're going to have a real struggle to continue. But um, if you figure out sort of what interests you, maybe it's social sites or building, you know, sites for your friends for their weddings or something like that, then you've got sort of that purpose behind it. And then that allows you to stick with it when things become frustrating. Because that's usually the hardest part is when things are frustrating and you don't know where to go next. And if you're kind of like, okay with that, you're like, all right, anytime that I feel frustrated, this is a sign that um, I'm learning. Like that is really the mindset you need to have to make it uh, make it stick. Got it. So if you could go back to yourself when you first started, uh, sort of really started programming um, and learning, what advice would you go back and tell yourself? It would definitely be to seek out more people and ask for their um, guidance or mentorship. Uh, back when I was in, in you know grade school and high school, I didn't really have anyone. And my learning ability was sort of hindered by the speed of which like who how do, how do I find the right answers for these problems I, I don't know how to google um, a lot of times they're like architecture questions or something like <laughs> that where you're like you're like I really don't know how to structure this code or even even begin that's the time when you just like hop on twitter or stack overflow or you know any ruby forum or something like that and just ask questions because there's almost always going to be someone out there to answer it for you. But if you don't ask, then you're just going to be slowing yourself down. So there's like that balance of, you know, give yourself enough shots so that in case you're, in case you really know the answer, but you're, you don't want to be too quick to jump the gun and just ask for help all the time. But, you know, if you spend two days on it and haven't really made any progress, then, you know, it's okay to ask for help. So what I know, I know you're joining the one month team here in New York in a couple of days, but what else does the future hold for you? That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't have a clue. I think we're, we're, our approach is kind of to figure that out as we go. We have, we have an idea of what we want to work on, but at the end of the day, like we, we haven't really set the sort of concrete goals in there, there's not really concrete goals because we're going to like be open to any of the the possibilities that come up. So we have, you know, I 
I imagine that if you um, sit down for long enough, you've got you know a million ideas today, and if you sit down tomorrow and and don't really have a plan, you'll come up with another couple million ideas. <laughs> and we're kind of like intentionally not choosing a specific endpoint. Like I, w- I want to be a lot more involved in the Ruby community and and uh, putting out more screencasts and helping more people. Um, but as far as like past that, it's hard to say because, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably find something interesting that we can take and, um, build more, more, uh, intuitive ways of learning in. I definitely love, uh, learning myself and trying to get better at it and allowing myself to be more, more naive while I'm learning. So, like making that more comfortable for people would be awesome. But yeah. Very cool. And the last question that I ask everybody is where can people find you on the web? So Twitter, Insta- uh, Twitter, Facebook, website, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I am on Twitter mostly. That's the best way to get a, in touch with me. Uh, username is E-X-C-I-D-3. And uh, I'm also putting out lots of screencasts on GoRails.com. Uh, those are probably the two best ways to find my stuff and, and get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris, so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. I'm so excited that Chris is uh, going to be in New York now. Let me know what you thought on Twitter at Ruben Ingber. That's R-E-U-B-E-N-I-N-G-P-E-R. For links and show notes, head on over to howtoholdpencil.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. I can't even begin to tell you how important those are for me personally and for the show itself. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at holdpencil. You can follow me on Twitter once again. That's at Ruben Ingber. Um, I hope you have a great week learning, and I'll speak to you all next week.